Today the podcast is the complete guide to Termina. Probably. We are talking all things Termina today, and we want to hear your questions. Tweet to us at whatever the thing is with your questions about Termina. It's still Heroes... Our first question... What? It's still Heroes Path Pod, because we never came up oh, with yeah. a better uh, name. Uh, yeah, and it's kind of a pain. Because they, they don't give you enough characters to like have a really descriptive handle. Um, but look, a question has already come in. Oh, from user at Pastaface, who asks, aren't you going to talk about the Great Bay Temple today? Thank you, Pastaface. We are. We weren't gonna, but we will for you. Oh, yes. Um, the Great Bay Temple. We got into the Great Bay Temple. We rode on a turtle. A very polite turtle. Yes. A g- good character who, like correctly sets off the sequence of events that we talked about on the previous episode uh you get this turtle who's just like okay let's go on to the next thing in a way that kind of puts a bow on the very strange fairy tale nonsense because the contents of the great bay temple have basically nothing to do with all the drama that led up to it yeah yeah um, I do like, before we get to the Great Bay Temple, there's like a cool cutscene that plays that I always forget about, because oh, I think yeah. it only shows up yeah, once. Yeah. Absolutely. Where we knew that the Gerudo had been trying to get to the Great Bay Temple because they thought there was treasure there, and I, I, I guess they're right, they are right, there is treasure there. Uh, but they can't make it there because oh. they're not a big turtle. And their yeah. boat gets wrecked. You know what they're you know what the treasure they want from the Great Bay Temple is? The ice arrows. The ice arrows, which canonically the Gyrador are supposed to have. Oh That makes sense. Symmetry. It, it all makes sense. Well, um yeah, so there's this cutscene of right outside the Great Bay Temple of the Gerudo um getting blown away by the magical storm. And this takes place on a map that is not used in gameplay. But you can see it in no clip, and you can see it without the big storm that's obscuring the shape of the temple itself. And it's ridiculous. Yeah. Someone it's it's better drawn or rendered than actual houses that you go to, like that you walk around in the game. I'm pretty it's sure it's not done up just for a cutscene because you can see all sides of it. The version in the 64 is basically like nothing compared to this. It's like that's right. I'm talking about the 3ds version. Yeah, right. But that means they like um, it in their embellishments. So like they found a spot where they really wanted to embellish where it didn't matter, and that's great. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, go to NoClip and see the exterior of the Great Bay Temple. It's this huge mechanical fish, like. You can kind of tell that it's a big fish-shaped thing from a distance and in the 64 version. But someone at Grezzo was like, I'm going to work all weekend on the most ridiculous steampunk fish fortress. And it's fantastic. I feel like, obviously, you know, this game came out in 2000. And they couldn't have known. But the Great Bay Temple exterior 
I look at that and I'm like, that's a divine beast. This is this is divine beast shaped to me. That's an excellent point, yeah. And then I started to think about what are there any other dungeons in Zelda that might also be divine beasts? Arguably the turtle rocks. That was and that that's exactly what came to my mind. I don't think all of them are, but like maybe one of them is. Um, I like the idea that Turtle Rock in Link's Awakening could start walking around. It has like, a basically. It has a face. Anya. Yeah, you have to fight that face. So, um, so welcome. This is a good angle. Yeah, welcome to Divine Beast Va. Great pay. Uh, Va Lulu. <laughs> Va Lulu. Okay, sure. The as you enter, um, is this the one where like Link waves goodbye to the turtle yes it's very adorable okay and having the turtle in the entrance to the dungeon like you're gonna leave if you if you need to leave not by beating the dungeon you have to go out and get more arrows or whatever um you have to talk to the turtle and actually i can't think of what no you have to hook shot back onto the turtle hook shot back yeah but there's gonna be there's got to be like, or possibly there's another cutscene of like, well, now we're leaving, but I've never seen it because I don't think the turtle says did, anything after hundreds of years. I I don't think the turtle has any dialogue outside of that one cutscene, and it's just understood okay. from this point out that if you hookshot onto the turtle's back, that's transportation time. Okay, it's very cool to have the turtle in the dungeon entrance and to make the way of accessing the dungeon be like this ride that you have to take uh because that makes the dungeon feel like it's off the map it is yeah it's not yeah present and you know like that contributes to a sense of scale in a way that usually these games don't get to do because usually you're in control of your location at all times and you're always the one moving uh but this one this because this dungeon gets to be so remote, it feels like you're on a space station or something, right? Oh, yeah. I hadn't thought about it in terms of that, but that does that does track. And it also looks like some of the space station levels in Sonic Adventure 2 Battle. Does it? With, like, the pipes with stuff going down them and everything being neon and ridiculous. That is true. Now I'm so this about- is the space dungeon. Um, actually, it it actually does do a good job of feeling like a factory or feeling like a mechanical place. If it's supposed to be a factory, there is no clear indication of what it's producing. Yeah, they meant. I mean, we'll get into some of the rooms here, but they meant. You know, uh, uh, they don't. Uh, Tattle mentions like there are mechanisms here powering whatever yeah uh the the language is very is vague enough that it's not really saying what's being powered but it's like it's power in something with all this mm-hmm. and like but like is it the some wiki article said well it's actually a factory in such matter-of-fact language that made me think well is it because maybe all these mechanisms are just allowing the fortress to like move around or something because it's a divine beast um it it ends up having a sense that there's that this installation let's call it is 
serving a purpose that it has some function outside of being a dungeon uh, which you similarly get in Woodfall where I think we agree that Woodfall seems like it's supposed to be purifying the water somehow. Somehow. This place has a utility to it that yeah. not a lot of Zelda dungeons necessarily have. It's a utility right. that is like implicit in a lot of the water dungeons in Zelda games that have come before this one. But it's amplified. Well, so you had Link to the Past had Swamp Palace, which was all about like opening and closing floodgates, right? Like flood channels. Yeah. Um, Like that's the, 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 the starting point of Zelda devs thinking about, well, what do we do with water in a in a video game, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the answer is we can flood chambers and then block chambers to reveal new passages, right? There, yeah. That that dungeon doesn't have uh overarching like sense of hydrodynamics or anything like that. It's just room to room, just like, okay, this room we're gonna show this thing off, this room we'll show this thing off, and we have the technology and like know how to do that on the sure. Super Nintendo. Um and then Ocarina of Time takes everything a step further with the water temple, where that one isn't about the hydrodynamics of like the water moving around the dungeon beyond bringing the water level up and down. Yeah. And is way more concerned with moving link around that area and how to like, Oh, interesting. We've, I from my perspective, like we, 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 we've given link three dimensional movement. We've given link like a couple tools to navigate that. And like the dungeon is designed to be, an obstacle course for Link to Traverse. And yeah. the purpose of why you're going to be bringing water up and down in this place, don't worry about it. <laughs> but it, okay. but that is a dungeon, so... that's a dungeon that cares about water more, more than Link to the Past did. The, the, the moving water around that dungeon is more universal. Sure. Because when you raise them, will lower the water level. It affects multiple rooms, right? Okay. So here we have an extension of that, where uh, in a couple different rooms, we're we are uh, like opening and shutting pathways for water to go through colored tubes. Yes. And that is directly and indirectly like gating and opening access to different parts of the dungeon. Yes. And the implication in what Tattle says and what we can, like, understand based on the aesthetic of the dungeon is that uh, this is all some this is all very uh, that's what the utility is like. There's there's a reason that we're able to channel the water in this way, and it has something to do with whatever this place is doing. But, you know, the game's not concerned with that. Um, And. The Water Temple was already so infamous for being incredibly difficult that this dungeon can't help but be compared to and must have been designed kind of in that shadow, right? It's using a lot of the same, I want to say design language, but I think I specifically just mean some of the same like elements. 
It's got the geysers well, that you walk around on. It's got the geysers that you walk around on. But what it's got that Nintendo 64 Ocarina of Time didn't have was because these, you know, puzzle elements affect things in different rooms. Um, what this version adds is the image of the water coursing through that pipe into the next room. And so you can follow that and, you know, get to the next gate yeah. by following the path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that design and, like, the way it's presented as, like, bright neon pipes with very obvious motion of stuff going through them is an attempt to make the... To basically, like, hint up the dungeon and make it very clear where you're supposed to go next. Yeah. And defuse some of the difficulty of the water temple. And the added benefit here, too, is that I oh I think we've we've had what, like over twenty years of distance from Ocarina of Time and people well, and Nintendo themselves have kind of figured out that a lot of people's friction with the water temple was just having to navigate it was really inconvenient because of the mm-hmm, way your mm-hmm. tools worked. So you have, you know, the three DS version where you can just assign iron boots to a button. Yes. Which like instantly made that dungeon way less cumbersome. But what else did they do in the 3DS version? They also, uh, don't they make it easier to see, like, the water levels or something? It's, it, I... They have, they have like, I want to say pipes. They're not really pipes, but designs on the wall. Okay. That are, like, a path to the next place you're supposed to oh, go. Oh, okay. That, there you go. So they looked at the lesson from Majora's Mask and said, okay, we can yeah. backport some of that. Because, like, we're concerned with the 3DS version of Majora's Mask here in a lot of ways, but I went through this dungeon again in the 64 version and all this, all these elements are present. They were thinking yeah, yeah. about, they were thinking about this way back in 2000, which is good. Um, because it's the following the pipes. When you go underwater, you have to use Zora link swimming and it's, you know, obstacle course for your cool underwater flight ability. Um, which can be, I mean, like, it feels frustrating whenever you bonk against the wall in the same way that the Goron spinning stuff is frustrating. I don't know if, like, that means that it's fun or, like, would it be more fun if it were super forgiving and you just slid off the walls into the hole you're supposed to, or you're trying to get into? I think it's all mostly fine. Okay. I don't know. I didn't. I guess the most recent time I played it, I had the experience of having done this before. Okay. So like, I I could not rightly tell you how I felt about navigating some of this the first time. I guess my impression is that because the design of the dungeon is um, basically telling you what to do at each step, or most steps, then the challenge of the dungeon is the, you know dexterity stuff of okay well i need to aim my guy into this target and so um in certain ways if there is um well gosh i i would like to know to what extent the culture was like oh, this is the water dungeon. It's going to be the really hard, puzzly dungeon. 
Because I feel like we have that thought now in our culture of Zelda players. Um, but like, did that, had that been established by 2000? I feel like my like gut memory is that, yeah, it had kind of a reputation for that as well. But also, I can't back that up but, with evidence. Yeah. The the thing is, I think the puzzle here is more complicated than difficult. And it feels, you know, like it, it gets a lot of its impression of being a big complicated puzzle by being something that goes from room to room. And I don't think in terms of like difficulty of like, banging your head against trying to figure out what's going on i don't think it really has that exactly the way that the water temple did Mm -hmm. are there any other like rooms before we talk about mini bosses uh there's one part where you freeze a plane like a vanilla um choo-choo to turn into a block of ice but i guess that's after we get the ice arrows yeah we gotta get those ice arrows first we okay. should mention, I guess we talked around the big whirlpool, whirlpool room, which is kind of the centerpiece of the dungeon. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's cool. It makes sense to do more with flowing water. A lot of this dungeon is just doing more with flowing water. Where yes. Ocarina of Time only did it in, like, streams. In, like, a uh, couple Ocarina streams. Of water Temple was about moving water up and down. And uh, Great Bay Temple is about... Uh, water running and like the mechanic of switching the direction of the big whirlpool so that different channels are going. Yep. And like maybe the first time you do this without a guide or without any memory of how everything works, you will switch that back and forth multiple times as you try to catch everything. I think I had but... to my most recent playthrough cause I forgot like a, okay. Something stray fairy. Yeah. I think it's stray fairy. Yeah, and but like that's really tedious to change the water direction back and forth. Well, I, I had a whole cycle this time, so it was fine. Okay. Um, let's go to let's find that um, mini boss. That first mini boss is a guy we know. We know this guy. It's our guy. It's our guy Wart. Wart is here. He was the very mean frog in Super Mario Brothers Two. You got to throw vegetables in his mouth. But then he was nice in Link's Awakening where he sang us a song. So yeah. he's a complicated character. He's got some depth. No, this is Wart slash Argus, who we know from Link to the Past as the weird, like, big eyeball with a bunch of clouds or something sticking yeah. to it. Um, and it was, like, while making notes for this dungeon that I realized that in this Nintendo 64 game, all of those bubbles are just bubble textures because that's the way you can have 40 on the screen at once. Yes. I like this boss. But oh, good. He, I like the boss, too. I think it's a really interesting example of a a thing from 2D that you kind of pour into 3D and seems to work great, you know? Well, they expand on it in a way that... Yeah. You know, this game comes out in 2000, Link to the Past came out in 91. They had a decade to think about it, and they're like, okay, we're going to implement – again, we're going back to Link to the Past again in my, my grand theory of uh, 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This, this going back to hearkening back to this 2d design they're like what element you know we we have this mini boss that we think that we did back then that we think would work now but let's implement it like slightly differently and so uh the difference there is that in link to the past you have to clear off all the little cl- clouds or whatever they are before you're able to damage it whereas here yeah. it's like you just have to clear enough to be able to go into first person and shoot an arrow at this thing. Yeah, good point, good point. Um, and then there's different ways to clear them off as well. You don't have to... In- yes, it's it's great. It's the Majora's Mask design that it occasionally has of having you letting you choose your approach to a fight. And so, like, What I- are some of the ways... Though, so I, when I did it, I was being, you know, stubborn, linked to the past head, and using mm-hmm. my hookshot to pull things off. How was that going for you? Onerous. Mm. Uh, and then I watched a video just now before we recorded where a guy just throws bombs at oh, good. Argus to nice. not to just hit him that way, which is cool. Gosh, is that what I did? I oh. remember doing something that knocked off a bunch of bubbles at once, but I can't remember. I almost wonder if I, like, punched him as Goron Link. Does that make sense? Maybe. I think arrows might also just work. Yeah. But you have to, like, use a lot of arrows to get through. Or maybe a spin slash. I don't know. Um, But yeah, good Argus. Good Wart. They should bring him back more. I know he's in a couple games. There's a... He's good. He's iconic. He's a big eye. Yeah, Link to the Past loves a big eye. Zelda in general loves a big eye. That's true. Um, he slap a big eye on that boss. Thanks, love it, ship it. <laughs> uh, there's a oh, we get the we get we get an yeah. item. We get the ice arrows. The ice arrows are here, and they let you solve that puzzle referred to earlier, where there's a choo choo with nothing in it. That's just a bag of water that you can freeze into an ice cube. <laughs> um, I bring this puzzle up because it's like they never use this trick anywhere else in the game. It seems like the kind of mechanic that you want to use at least twice so that it doesn't feel so weird when it's just used once. That's my approach to design anyway. And it's funny that it turns into a cube. Yeah, they... You know, previously, the ice arrows were basically a useless item in Ocarina of Time. Oh, yeah, yeah. They don't serve a purpose. They're like a vestige of early Ocarina of Time where they wanted to create, like, elemental arrows for every is every every medallion, right? The medallions each had their own arrow? I think that was it. There was a really robust... There was an intention to have this really robust magic system in Ocarina of Time that just never panned out because a lot of the stuff was just not interesting or like, you know, you design a bunch of different spells and a lot of them are kind of mid. And then you start doing a design document for the game you're trying to make. And you realize that you don't have enough. There isn't enough puzzle in the game to justify that many keys, <laughs> you know? Sure. Um, and I think that was the, that, that was the thing is originally there were just gonna be a ton of different like magic arrows and it's like, they realized that's not the game we're making, but the ice arrows still ended up in there for, I, if I had to guess because 
linked to the past had fire and ice rods. Yeah. And like, well, you're going to have the light arrows at the end and you're going to have the fire arrows, I guess. Why do you need the fire arrows, actually? You don't. You have to have either. Well, hang on, let me think. No, they're not necessary. Okay. Because you have to have, but you have to have Din's fire. Yeah. And it, I think they make uh, a lot of things easier, but they have more yeah. more puzzle uses, but they're not necessarily, like, critical. I think the, the fire and ice arrows are in there for, yeah, Link to the Past reasons of let's have fun things to collect out in the world. Yeah. Zelda's good when it just has, like, here's an item that you can just get, and... I, this isn't Zelda exclusive, but it works yeah. out in Zelda games a lot, where it's like, here's just this extra thing. I don't know, you can go get it if you want. Like the hourglass and tunic. I'll take your word, I didn't get that far. Well, there's an hourglass in there. Um, Let's see. Oh, so another thing about the ice arrows is, let me tell you about Project Restoration. Please. This is a patch for Majora's Mask 3D by a fan who's like Majora's Mask 3D is a bunch of nonsense I'm going to fix it I'm going to put out a patch that you can apply to the ROM um, and you can get it on your 3DS version because the 3DS apparently has been hacked into oblivion (laughs) hey Ryan it has what yes (laughs) Um, (laughs) how do you think I'm playing this game (laughs) okay um and so what what they what this uh, author Leo something uh Leo Johnson Leo Johnson Leo <laughs> right, maybe it's Leo um has changed um stuff that like they changed in the 3DS version of Majora's Mask and he says I'm going to fix this. So here are, uh, are the features. Fix Zora Link Fast swim is the default way of swimming and no longer requires magic. Oh, I'm on this person's side immediately. Slow swim is still available. You can press up and down on the D-pad to toggle between fast swim and slow swim, or you can hold ZR to swim slowly. If you want to swim slowly. Fixed Deku Link. Um, Deku Link's acceleration reduction is reverted to fix the water hopping mechanic. As a side effect of this, of the acceleration change hopping was very slow in the unpatched game remember that i don't but that's not something I well you've been playing both versions fairly recently i don't do a lot of i I don't play as deku link a lot so i guess i've never stopped to look and compare those two things i guess anecdotally i I, I did have more trouble with the pond hopping in the 3ds version okay um yeah it's not it's a it's a difference but it's not as like famously the thing they screwed up in Majora in 3ds the way that the zora link is um fast transform you can or they uh bind the transformations to the d-pad so that you don't have to put those masks on your item buttons in the 3ds version that's not as big of a deal because you just have more slots yeah yeah, so that, that never that was not a problem I had with the 3DS version. It was actually easier in the 3DS version because it was just like I just keep two of the masks I'm gonna need on the number buttons. 
more fluid bomber's notebook the bomber notebook uh, screen updates instantly instead of taking five seconds to pop up every time you get a quest update it all adds up <laughs> okay sure um optional song of time saving for the classic majora's mask experience you can optionally save the game after playing the song of time after loading a classic save players will be greeted with the iconic dawn of the first day screen just like in the original game good approved Improved bosses. Odolwa, Goat, and Georg's giant eyeballs are gone. They didn't add much. <laughs> Odolwa's AI and attacks are rebalanced to improve gameplay, whatever that means. A bug that caused Odolwa to be invulnerable to attacks and block excessively was fixed. That's interesting. More fun with Twin Mold. This patch reduces the number of cycles to make it less repetitive. Red Twin Mold no longer resets its hit counter every time it burrows back into the sand. This makes the boss battle much less confusing. You got any thoughts about this? I'm running out of things to say about this patch. But I'm telling you new things. Can't you react to all the new things I'm saying? I I don't... We haven't gotten to Twin Mold yet. I don't have thoughts synthesized ready okay. for that. So. Right. Restored Ice Arrows. Ice arrows work everywhere in the Great Bay Temple, not just in Georg's room. This gives the player more freedom to experiment with ice arrows. They also work in several er other areas outside the temple, just like in the original game. Removes... <clears throat> also, this patch removes the sparkling water effects as they are an insult to the player's intelligence. <laughs> is, that, is that the end of it? No. Oh, God. More okay. potent inverted Song of Time. So, like, yes. Even more? I thought it was already more in the 3DS version. Well, it depends on what you mean by potent. I guess. Because, okay. In original 64, the, song, I, the inverted Song of Time slows time to one-third speed. In 3DS, unpatched, it slows time to one-half speed and the author of this uh hack patch says that's likely an oversight this patch fixes the regression which makes some glitchless challenge runs possible again and gives the player more time in a three-day cycle oh i thought it was the other way i thought you got more time in the uh 3ds version yeah i may have said it was the other way because i don't know anything about this and don't notice it when i play oh all right that's interesting and but then that, I um, believe that yeah. I, I agree that must have been an oversight. I don't think it must have been an oversight. I think they could have had a reason, but I don't know what it would be. Um, button tweaks for com controller players. Uh, there's all these different uh, optional bindings, like a button to switch your arrows from fire to ice arrows, like Wind Waker. Um, an optional button, like a, a physical button for the ocarina instead of it being on the screen, a physical button for the pictograph box. Um, yeah, buttons for all these items that are bound to uh, It's It's been a while since screen. I've messed with DS. I've never messed with 3DS emulation. I've messed with DS emulation, but my impression with DS emulation is that you can just map like buttons to just tap certain parts of the screen. Well, that's it's the other way around here. Okay. Because he's taking things that are screen buttons and giving them physical buttons so that you can play with the controller better. 
but like you could have just remapped you could have just mapped it so that like i'm gonna press the 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 right button oh i see what you mean and then it just simulates a tap on that part of the screen that doesn't exist because you're playing it on your windows pc well then this is doing the same thing backwards got it and um a few other things oh wait okay this i i didn't expand this uh show me more changes button um so we'll go through the whole thing because i find this fascinating playing the elegy of emptiness you don't hear it so often after the first time you play it you just play it then then you drop a thing uh the song of story soaring is repeated only once during a play session for similar reasons the speed of stone tower blocks has been adjusted for a more pleasant climbing experience whatever that means free camera mode can be used more often Oh. Notably, when talking, targeting, talking, or playing the ocarina. Oh, that's nice. I like that. That's very yeah. modern. Uh huh. Um. Now, okay. Show me more changes. I'll see more changes. Less hand holding. The <laughs> moving platforms in Deku Palace and Woodfall Temple now actually always move. Captain Kida now walks as fast as the in, in the original game, which restores the challenge of the chasing minigame. Link can now leave the swordsman's school during training if necessary to avoid wasting time. What a tiny little, like, the tiniest little inconvenience has been removed. Um, the bombers will no longer distract the player from a particular cutscene just to ensure you get their hints. I assume that's them giving you the bomber's notebook after you show up in the after the first cycle. I'm not sure. The Nushika hint stone will also no longer distract the player during an important cutscene in the clock tower. Remember at the beginning of the game? I forgot that was there until you said those words. Talks? Yeah. I well, forgot. it was distracting and you hated it. I n- no, I'm pretty sure on. I just said that's a feature I'm never going to use and moved on. For the classic experience, owl statues can be activated by striking them with a sword. Oh, uh, it, I love it. It is possible to control Goron Link rolling just like in the Nintendo 64 version. Hold an A and move to roll. Release A to stop. The classic control scheme coexists with the new one. Um, that sounds tricky. Um, and then there are some bug fixes where uh, the heart container get sound doesn't play sometimes or uh some camera stuff some possible soft blocks have been fixed um and so that's all the uh changes in this patch i like my opinion of the patch is mostly about the way the guy words some of the notes um in this kind of i think obnoxious way of like accusing the 3ds version of being terrible (laughs) in certain ways um and you know it kind of it gets me going on uh questions i don't really want to address right now of like what are how entitled are players to play a game exactly how they want? Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's, there's a lot of, 
I could see that a lot of different ways depending on what that means. Because, like, let's take um, the moving the camera while playing the ocarina. I can imagine, although I intentionally picked a stupid, stupid example, that the designers of this game said, like, they had a meeting. Should we let the player move the camera while playing the ocarina? And someone said, yes, we should for these reasons. And someone else said, yes, no, we shouldn't for these reasons. And they weighed it and they came to a decision and they're like, we're not going to have the player be able to move the camera while playing the ocarina. And like that makes that feature of the game, that detail of the game, part of the artist's intent of what kind of game this is and how this game plays. And it's all those decisions, even though some of them are arbitrary and some of them are stupid and some of them are like inscrutable. That's what makes the game what it is. That's what allows the people making the game to communicate something with the game. You have to, the game designers have to be able to make these decisions in order for them to be able to communicate anything with the world by making art. And so when players say, oh, but I should be able to do this this way and I should be able to do this this way and this is, you know, when I play the game this way, then I have to endure this cutscene over and over again and I don't like that, I shouldn't have to do that. Um, like, I feel like deciding that, well, I'm going to rip that out of the game and now play this other game that works the way I want it to, it seems like that's, it's artistically very fraught to me. I think that there's room for that to be like it would be entitled of a player to say it's messed up that i can't move the camera in this specific kind of cutscene but also like it would be entitled to demand that of a dev but it's perfectly fine to look at that and say i want the game to do that so i'm gonna mod it to do that am i am i am i in the wheelhouse of kind of what you're talking about um I'm not sure. Because I think that, yeah, like, looking at a situation where the game doesn't quite do what you, the player, want it to do, and, like, feeling, like, owed that experience is probably bad, but looking at that and saying, oh, I wish it did this instead, I'm just gonna mod it, is, like, fine from, like, a moral perspective, I think. Well, I no, I think I want to disagree with you, but I'm not like I'm not totally I, sure of where trying to define exactly what we're talking about. The whole tricky, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I said that I didn't want to get all the way into this, so we're not going to eject. Um, let's see. Now we that talk we have about, the ice arrows, can we talk about? Uh, I, do, yeah. I do would I just do want to say I do agree that they did change the ice arrows to where they only work in certain key spots and are not just a catch all thing. And, and <laughs> I, I understand this change, and I also understand the compulsion to revert this change. Um, yeah, the, the question that I refuse to uh, really get into is especially complicated when you start talking about it in terms of uh, reverting changes for a re-release of a game. 
um, because I kind of agree that it's, um, I won't say an insult to the player's intelligence, but it's kind of uh, stupid and annoying when they have the water sparkle, like, shoot, shoot the ice arrow right here. The it's, thing oh, is, wait. yeah, is like there's only a couple key spots where the ice arrows are even used in this game in this way. So it's like kind of a non-issue. It's not like there was like some speedrunner tech to use an ice arrow in a weird obscure spot to get past some geometry or something, right? There's no use case for using the ice arrows however you want in other places that I know of, at least. I mean, I'm not, I guess I'm not deeply embedded in the uh, Majora's Mask speed. That's weird, because when you say that, that makes me half remember something where, like, ice arrows are important for setting up some weird bug. And, like, if they are and they need that change, then I could see taking issue with making the change. But trying to make the change in an effort to, like better communicate what you're supposed to be doing with the ice arrows to new players to the game like i get it it's okay that's that's in line with a lot of the other changes they've made um yes i i don't i don't somebody, know anything somebody backport the ice arrows into into ocarina of time and let me crime around that that would be fun yeah anyway we're uh, done we get, talking about the ice arrows. We're done. We have to go find another mini boss. Yeah, we're going to take these ice arrows to a room where um, there is this, like, uh, th- there's a big blob with a gecko in it. This is that other frog boss that we talked about when we were talking about the Dongero mask. Um, but this gecko is accompanied by a big blob that I guess is called Mad Jelly. Sure. Okay. And it's kind of interesting to contrast with Argus because I said about Argus, oh, those are textures so that we don't have to render 40 different uh, little puffballs or whatever that are like actual polygons. The Mad Jelly seems like it would be a very difficult thing to animate. It's such a, I mean, this is a big viscous blob um, that does a lot of, fancy liquidous movements um kind of in the tradition of uh well no even more uh complicated i think than morpha don't you think uh it's probably in the same vicinity um i haven't looked at morpha in in 64 in long enough to really say for sure if that's like a especially detailed model yeah um i can see that like this version uh the mad jelly uh while being big and given like weird shapes and stuff it's not like it's rendering like jelly physics in real time or something it's still fundamentally just using it's one character model that's just got really like cool and big motions it makes to make yeah. it seem larger than uh, to make it way bigger than Lincoln, like like a larger than life presence, even if it is just not, a, it, it's still just one character model, right? Um, I mean, it does split up when oh, yeah. you yeah, right, 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 break it. Um, when you when you put it that way, I really want to know exactly how they animated Mad Jelly. I think that'd be fascinating. Because I bet that it involves some tricks to make it, you know, 
viable on the hardware. Or at least, like, maybe tricks from my perspective of someone who never does this sort of thing, but mm. stuff that would be obvious to professionals. Um, there's an odd symmetry of these mini-bosses. They, uh, the fights take place in kind of identical rooms that are, like, situated on opposite sides of the main axis of the map. And they're arguably both, like, well, they're both, like, thing comes down from the ceiling at you and remove its outer part so you can get at the weak point in the center. So, that's fun. Yeah. And uh, after defeating the Mad Jelly and Gecko, we get the boss key. And I we're not going to get into the details of all the puzzle, but no. I feel like the... Um, the way that you access the boss door is it does a good job of being more complicated than the rest of the dungeon up to this point. Um, is this where you have to like walk around on a bunch of pipes? I think so. Well, I mean, even leading up to that, like it's just, I guess the steps of reversing the, Oh um, yeah. 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 Pool yeah. direction. Um, it seems like a, the pacing of how how you interact with the um, the whole overarching puzzle, I think, is well executed. Uh, but then, yeah, you walk up some pipes and you reach the uh, boss door and there's a cool, um, like, big shark skull. And, like, on the wall or something. And then you drop down a big pit and it's time to be at the boss. Tell us about Georg. Well, his name is Georg, so we're already off to a fantastic start. Yeah. Uh, he's a big masked fish. Supposedly uh, masked. His head is mask-shaped enough. Um, I guess. He is... The most recent time I played this was in the 64 version, so I guess I'll just talk about that. Yeah, do it. <laughs> because... In 64, it's a very simple boss. It's just, you are on a center platform, and Gorg is, like, circling around and will jump at you if left, like, unbothered for long enough. But you can just lock on and shoot him with an arrow to put him in a stun state, and then mm -hmm. you have to switch to Zora Link and just run at him with electricity. Yeah. He will, like, summon little mini-Gorgs to chase after you, and if he comes back to life fast enough before you get out of the water, he'll gobble you for a little bit. But, like, yeah, yeah. that's fundamentally it. The hardest part I had with this was trying not to run out of magic in the fight. Yep. Yep. And, like, yep. extremely simple. Okay. So then in the in the 3DS version, they opted to try and make this a much more complicated and involved boss fight. This is probably the biggest divergence we've had. So far. That we've talked about, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I forget Where the they... Do you remember the exact steps that happened here? Because there's like two phases now. Yeah, there's there's the first phase is kind of basically what you just described. Um, although I don't remember going out and shocking him with electricity. I wonder what I did instead. I think you just, you just shoot him with arrows? Oh, okay. You just shoot Maybe? him with arrows. So he doesn't enter a stun state, but you're just getting him as he swims around you in a circle. And he's then, like a little more aggressive, if I remember right. Yeah. Okay. Um, then he 
you know, like, does he run into the pillar that you're standing on? Or how does that recede into the floor? I think he crashes into it and it recedes into the floor. Yeah. And so now you can't walk on the land anymore. You have to be Zora Link and, you know, do an underwater battle. And it's like, like when this is the second phase, um, like there's enough here to be a whole boss fight. And so this being the second phase makes the whole thing a slog Um, because you're going to, oh, you're going to, I think actually the main thing you're doing here is trying to make him inhale the mines. Yes. And so you have to swim around, avoid getting bit, avoid the smaller Georgs, wait for him to go into like suck up water uh, state and then attack the chains that are holding some of these mines so that he sucks up a mine and that puts him into a stunned state, right? Yeah. Then you got to get over to him pretty quick to do some damage until he and and gets now out of is that. when you use all that electricity because and that's then your if best you don't do it quick enough, he'll gobble you up and you get the gobbling yep. thing going on. It's yep. It takes a long time. It's not a it very takes quick a long boss fight. Time. Right. Um, it is. It sucks. Oh wait, there. And then the uh, is the sun state where he sticks out his giant eyeball. Yes. Yeah. Because there's got to be a giant eyeball. Got I it. feel like the giant eyeball thing makes me feel, makes me think. There was, there were a couple of boss fights, or maybe just this one, that Grezzo was like, this game is, these boss, you know, the game is great, but these this one boss fight could use you know, some tuning up to make it more interesting. And they said, oh, well, we could add this, this, and this. And they said, well, as long as we're changing this boss fight, why don't we change all the boss fights? And then you, and like, it's easy to see the uh, roller or the snowball effect of ideas for changes that end up making all the boss fights uh, different in different degrees. And, ones that don't really need to be changed to get changed because we're changing things yeah yeah i don't like the eyeballs and i don't like how long this boss battle is yeah the eyeball change has never bothered me as much as some of the other changes going on here and i totally understand them wanting to make this boss fight more complex Mm -hmm. but they they did too much yeah i don't know where the, the 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 medium is there i don't know that they've ever gotten an underwater boss fight well <laughs> in Zelda. Though I can only think uh, of one other underwater boss fight. Is it Anglerfish and Link's oh, Awakening? Oh, no, oh, never mind. They got it right the first time. That's the best one. <laughs> there uh, you go. No, there's a there's a Twilight Princess underwater eel you have to fight that's also just kind of not very fun. Well, sometimes you get the bar and sometimes the boss eats you. That's right. We beat Georg. We get Georg's remains. Yep. We, we see... uh, enter the crystal teleporter. And we see our friend, the giant. Or not our yeah. friend. We see the giant who says to help our friend. Yeah. 
their friend, the giant's friend. Yeah. Um, and we're like, well, who's that? Who's the giant's friend? I don't know. The tattle is very dense. Or it's dense at first. And then, interestingly, at the very end, Tattle will like be able to reach conclusions uh, on our behalf. So that's fun. Yeah. And uh, I guess that's the whole dungeon. Did we forget to talk about anything? No, I think we're good. I My notes say you beat the temple and something happens probably, which is a reference to, you know, Every area after you beat it has a change happen to it because because you've dealt with whatever the evil forces in the area. Something yeah. about the area is supposed to have changed, but because it's just kind of an ocean, you don't really there, there's not an immediately noticeable like right. Terrain there's change an or understanding yeah. that the water temperature is going to go back to normal and the unnatural storms will stop. But you didn't really notice that to begin with, so you're not going to notice it so much now that it's changing. Yeah. It's going to change slowly. This isn't the water becoming clear again or anything like that in the same way um, that it was in Woodfall. So, And I guess this is like stuff we're supposed to talk about on the next episode, but I can only think of one thing that actually like that. Is there anybody in the, um, other than Lulu getting her voice back, is there any stuff that changes in the, um, the Zora Hall? We will have to wait till next episode to find out, I think. Okay, I'll wait till next episode. 